Have you ever had an amazing idea and thought, wow, this would be a good book? Award-winning authors Crystal Bowman and Michelle Lazurek are going to talk with us today about their different writing and publishing journeys and the pitfalls of first-time authors and the amazing children's book they co-authored, Who God Wants Me to Be. We all know that parenting is hard work and life can get busy. We've done the research to help you. So let's dig deep with Leanne Mancini and work together to help you raise strong Christian kids. I have two wonderful guests today on my show. Crystal Bowman is an award-winning best-selling author of more than 100 books for children's and families. She enjoys teaching at writers' conferences, speaking to mothers of young children, and giving poetry workshops in elementary schools. She also writes lyrics for children's piano music and stories for Clubhouse Junior Magazine, and she's a dear friend of mine as well. And Michelle Lazurek is a multi-genre award-winning author, literary agent, certified writing coach, speaker, pastor's wife, and mother living in Coopersburg, Pennsylvania. She has won two Golden Scroll Children Book of the Year awards, Article of the Year, and the Enduring Light Silver Medal, among many other honors. She is also a member of the Christian Authors Network and the Advanced Writers and Speakers Association, and a friend of mine also. Welcome to the show, ladies. Hi, Leanne. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Leanne. We're happy to be here. Well, before we talk about your engaging and fun children's book, Who God Wants Me to Be, Crystal, can you share how someone who has an idea for a children's book would get started in their writing journey? Well, I've been writing for more than 30 years, and I write for many different publishing houses. Um, It takes a long time to get established. My advice to any writer who wants to break into publishing is to attend writers' conferences and go to as many as you can. Now, we have a lot of virtual conferences that make it more affordable and, and easier. But you can't just jump into the world of publishing without first learning what it's all about. Tell us a little bit of your books that are your favorites that you've written recently, because I know you have some really great books out there. Well, I love writing uh, for our daily bread. We have our daily bread for kids, our daily bread for preschoolers. We have some little board books. One of my recent board books is My Arms Will Hold You Tight. It's an adorable book with lots of animals that kids will love. Also, my best-selling holiday book is Emma's for Manger. It's an alphabet Christmas book that tells the Christmas story in chronological order. So that was quite a challenge, but I co-authored it with my daughter and we did it. And then I also have a book called I Love You to the Stars, When Grandma Forgets, Love Remembers. And that's a book to help parents and grandparents teach their children what happens when a loved one develops dementia or Alzheimer's. Yeah, I love all of those books. I have all of your books. So (laughs) I can attest to our listeners that her books are outstanding. And Michelle, you're so talented. Can you share a bit about your background? And if you have any insight on how someone can fulfill their desires to become a published author, you know, what are some of the pitfalls of the first time authors too? I know it's like three questions at one, but... (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so I've been an author for 13 years, almost 14 years, and uh, I became a literary agent with my agent in his agency about five years ago, and also became a certified writing coach about a year and a half ago. And it all began with a calling, Uh, just felt called to write a book in 2008. I had no writing experience whatsoever before that, but I love to read. 
and started studying scripture, realized that uh, in the gospel of John, John referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved over 13 times. And I was just floored by this. And I thought, gosh, there's got to be a hundred resources on this. It's so well known. There was nothing. So I figured, okay, let me study this and see what I can find for myself. And you know what I found? The first thing I found was I fell in love with scripture. And the second was I came to the conclusion that John referred to himself that way because he believed he was Jesus's favorite and how we all can have that same intimate type of relationship where we can feel like we're Jesus's favorite too. And so that one step of obedience led to the next book and the next book and the next book. And, and here I am at book 16, seeing all that God has done because of all those years and those small steps of obedience. So the biggest pitfall I would say of being a first-time author is oftentimes we like to see stars in our eyes and we want what an author has really worked long, hard hours for and years for. This deal with Waterbrook, yeah, it was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for me. I have no idea it'll ever happen again. But that's after 13 years of self-publishing. That's 15 other books that I wrote. Some were traditionally published. Some did not sell well. Every author has stories of some books that take off and others don't. So there's no rhyme or reason as to what sells and what doesn't. Sometimes things just hit or there's an idea that's really hot or trending. And it just happens to be that's God's choice at that, at that time. I think it was Erin McManus who, who said, everybody wants my platform, but no one wants my pain. I think that can be a pitfall because we like the culture of celebrity and people think that this is a, you know, a fancy, famous type occupation. And in some cases, I guess it is, but you know, the Lord decides whose harvest he wants to reap and whose he doesn't. That's on him. That's not for me to say. And it's not for us to say, but trust me, I've tried to tell him many times what he should do. <laughs> I think we all have. <laughs> so I guess my word of advice to people is, you know, don't, Give into the stigma of self-publishing. If that's the route that God wants you to take, take it. Because it's better to have the gospel message out there into the world and, and hit a few lives than have it sit on a desktop because, well, you only want this one particular deal with this particular publisher. So yeah, so that would be a pitfall, um, I would say. And I would also say, just do the soul work that's necessary in your heart. You are a writer, whether you write for 10 people or a thousand people or a million people. And the reality is we have to keep the perspective that we write for an audience of one. Absolutely. Thank you. So we'll have links to these ladies. You can contact them if you have any further questions. So Crystal, Who God Wants Me to Be. I love, love this book. It is such an adorable children's book. There's an engaging storyline. Tell us about this adorable book. Well, I am going to speak for Michelle. It's an idea that God really put on her heart. And we met at a, a conference. Uh, we sat at the same table and just talked a little bit. And then I, I don't know, Michelle, it was years after that, she sent me this story. And she said, this is just something that's really on my heart. I, I think it needs some work. I'm not sure what to do with it. So she, she said, would you mind taking a look at it? So I took a look at it. And I mean, I, I was hooked right away. And I said, this is a brilliant idea. And you absolutely have to pursue this. So I think I bounced back a few little minor ideas and made some edits. And then, and then the next email I got from her, which was very exciting. And she said, why don't you just co-author this with me? It took five years for us to find a publisher and to get it published. And once we finally did get that contract from Waterbrook, we could, it was so obvious to us that this was God's plan and purpose for this book. When I was growing up, career choices for women were so limited. A lot of women didn't even go to college. And 
But nowadays, you know, all those barriers are gone. We have a female vice president. We have female pastors. We have women that own construction companies that, you know, there are, there are no more barriers for women. And so they can, they can pursue whatever God puts on their heart. But also I want to make this really clear that this has nothing to do with girls being better than boys. This is not a a book that says, well, you know, we're better than you are, or we're just as good. This has nothing to do with boys. It's, It's just to empower girls to pursue God's will for their lives. We have everything from you know, a doctor and dentist to a stay-at-home mom, someone that works at a, at a shelter or a food bank. We have 12 different careers that have we've highlighted and we tried to give make it very diverse and inclusive. Yes. And when I read it, I didn't think it was anything to put boys down. I just felt it was an uplifting book for little girls. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think you ladies should do a sequel about boys or even another book about children who are handicapped. Well, you, we do have a special needs child in the book. If you notice the illustrator illustrated a girl with just one arm. And we never mention it in the text. There's no mention of it in the text because we want her presented as equal. And this disability doesn't stop her. I mean, she wants to be a firefighter, you know, and it doesn't stop her from pursuing her dreams and goals. And that was the purpose of having someone with a disability is to show that, you know, that that doesn't stop anyone. And then I believe in the back, in the back spread, there's there's a girl playing a guitar in a wheelchair. So again, we tried to make this book be as inclusive and diverse as we could. And, and you did. What message, Michelle, do you hope children will receive as they're reading the book? Well, I think there's a couple of messages or takeaways I'd love to see girls and their parents take from the book. I think the first is the difference between calling and career. And calling is what gets you out of bed in the morning. The career is what pays the bills. And career can be what we choose. Calling is what God has planned. And so sometimes the two intersect and sometimes they don't. We also have to take into consideration our spiritual giftings and wirings. Sometimes we're called and we have that spiritual gift of teaching, but teacher may not be necessarily the career that we choose for ourselves. That doesn't mean we don't have the gift of teaching. It just means we didn't choose a teacher career. That makes any sense. Absolutely. I definitely want people, especially little girls, to take away the fact that careers can change, especially in this tumultuous economy in which we live. Things change. People get laid off. And if you're not rooted in Christ, if your identity is not in Christ and it's not anchored there, that can throw you for a loop. And it can also interfere with your spiritual growth in him and your relationship with him. So I love to see them understand that it's okay to dream big and it's okay to dream a lot. And I think that's what the text does so brilliantly is it's, well, maybe I'll be this. Oh, maybe I'll be that. It increases the imagination. And I hope that it'll be an encouragement to, to parents to dream again and to get back that wonder and imagination of what it was like to dream. Because if you still have a pulse, you're not done. Christ always had this incredible balance he struck between, don't tell anybody who I am, I'll wash your feet, to here I am, I am the son of God. And he always had this idea, understanding of who he could tell and who he couldn't, and the right timing into whom he told. Of course, we always love his example of humility and that confidence that he had. He had that confidence. He knew who he was, he knew who his father was, and he knew what he could do because of his father. And I think when we're rooted in that idea and go through our daily lives, knowing that God has ordered our steps and that he knows us, I think little girls will be really fully empowered to do what God is calling them to do. I, I believe this book does a great job in helping children 
envision their future and wonder what they could be and to dream big. And we want our children to do that. And because you have so many different venues or opportunities that children can get into, it it just gives them a great visual because the illustrations are beautiful. Do either of you see a problem today with children feeling overwhelmed by the pressure parents or society place on them at a young age? And if so, how do you think this book can help in that area? I absolutely do. I think there's way too much pressure on children, not only by parents, but also even the school system. You know, in junior high, I know in middle school, sometimes they have to, you know, choose their career path or what they're going to study. And I think that's way too young. The average college student changes their career at least once. 80% of college students change their career at least once and many more than that. And that's why we showed in the book, well, maybe I'll do this and maybe I'll do that. And maybe I'll do that. You know, if they show a special interest, then nurture that, nurture that interest and take them to the library, get books, do research online, but then be open to them changing their minds. It's okay to let children change their mind. Adults change their mind. Adults change careers. And so I I think the key is to exposure, educate them, help them explore this interest that they have. But as they explore it, if they decide, you know, nah, this just isn't my thing, it's okay, then do something else. Yeah, I'll also just add to that real quickly that I feel a lot of children feel pressured that they have to go to college. And it may not be something that God wants them to do. And we're, you know, pressuring them to do so. And they may do better not going to college. I have one who got her master's and I have my other child, my son who didn't finish college, but he's doing very well in the field that he has decided to go in. So Michelle, did you want to have any last thoughts on that before we close? Yeah, kids are way overwhelmed. I mean, they basically come in. I, you know, she taught preschool, I've taught preschool, and we've seen kids come in at three years of age and they're already on them. They need to learn their alphabet before they go to kindergarten. The requirements for education are becoming more stringent by the year. I think this book encourages parents to pray for them and with them. And that's what we want. We want, we pray for their spouses, we pray for their salvation, but how often do we pray for their career? And he has a plan for their careers just as he does for anything else. And we want parents to be able to affirm their kids in their giftings, to know them well enough to guide them and direct them. Well, thank you, ladies. Thank you for being on the show. We'll have the links to where they can purchase the book. And this is how we all work together to raise strong Christian kids. Thank you, Crystal and Michelle. Thank you, Leanne. Thank you, Leanne. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app.